Welcome, everyone. My name is Juleen Jackson. Welcome so much to our virtual cottage meeting. Presentation number one, Anchored in Hope, for our 12 introductory cottage meeting series. We're so glad to have you. There are mamas from all over America that are on this call today, so we need God's help. Cottage meetings are about gathering in homes and feeling of the heart and the spirit of the mother, of the grandmother. Our whole premise at Moms for America is that liberty begins at home. I live in Chevy Chase, Maryland, just about 15 minutes from Washington, DC. I'm just about a half, an, a, half a mile from the, from the DC, Maryland line. And so uh, I consider my town, Washington, D.C., heaven help Washington, D.C. But as we gather together each week in our, virtually in each other's living room, living room, so to speak, and please just know if you're ever in Washington, D.C., I would love to just have you in the flesh in my home and we could break bread together and get to know each other better. These cottage meetings are where moms gather together in small groups, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in homes. It can be in churches. It can be in the park. You can meet once a month. You can meet once a week. Whatever the need of the group is, we meet once a week, every Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, to study principles of liberty and freedom and to learn the great stories and miracles of America. And then it will be the most natural thing in the world to go and to teach your children, your husband, your grandchildren, the things that have pricked and touched your hearts. When a mother understands the constitution and reverences of the founding fathers, so will her posterity. When mother knows, her children instinctively will know. Look, we can't count on the schools to teach them these things anymore, the universities or, e or even the churches. And so we're going to gather together and we're going to petition the heavens. And don't you know that God does not ignore the prayers of his, of his mothers, of his daughters who are seeking to shore up the four walls of her home and to protect and shore up his children, her children. So thank you so much for gathering around. If you will, I don't know if I said this or, uh, or not, please put in the chat, all of you hopefully have access to the chat, where you're coming from, the state, the town, the state that you're from, so we can see and feel of the mamas around the America. Now I have attended or taught cottage meetings for over a decade. So I have seen firsthand the influence that it has had on me as a woman, the impact that has had on my marriage, the way it has changed the way I teach my children. I think Viv, do you have a little slide here of my family? You're gonna hear a lot about my family. I'm so sorry, but I want you to know everything that I am teaching, I have taught in my home, my kids have been the guinea pigs and I'm beginning to see some of the fruit uh, born out of what I've done through the years. And this is what we're gonna share in these cottage meetings, how we can teach our children to love America. So I've had seven children. I had two little babes lost in infancy. My first little babe, here's the Jackson family and my seventh little babe died uh, just at infancy. But I have five very wild and alive children. This was five years ago. Sorry, I don't have that many professional pictures. And as the kids get older, it's hard to get them all together. This is Kayla Rose in the center. She's my oldest daughter. She's been married now for five years. She's uh, She works a little bit on the side for Moms for America. And then we've got Frankie, our oldest son now, who is actually a professional athlete. I'll tell you a little bit about him over the course of the next 12 weeks. Mary Alice, she's a senior in college now. And then Alvin, the a younger boy standing next to my husband is now the tallest one in the family in five years. He is about six, four, six, five taller than dad. And the baby there is officially taller than mother. She's five, six. I am now the shortest one in the family, but you will get to know my rugrats because they are my guinea pigs. 
I have uh, tried things on them that have crashed and burned as I taught and tried to instill in them certain concepts. And I've seen things when I thought were crashing and burning because I didn't give up on them. They kind of did a full circle and have come back around. My husband and I, Viv, I don't know if you have that slide. There's me and my man of 30 years, Al Jackson. We're a colorful couple. I know sometimes people don't quite know what to make of us, but just stick with us. I, I Hopefully you'll, you'll grow to like Al a little bit. Al and I have been married for 30 years. And, you know, it's exhausting work. All right, Viv, that's enough of Al and I. It's exhausting work raising the next generation of patriots. And to be honest with you, mamas, it was me that first woke up to what our children were being taught in the school systems. And I had to kind of gently put the foot my foot in my husband's behind to get him on board and to begin to understand why it was so important that we teach principles of liberty and stories of freedom and our founding fathers in our home to combat and to offset what our children were being taught in the public school system. So it took a little bit for him to kind of get on board with this freedom and liberty stuff, but he eventually did. And now we are lockstep. And the things that I learned in the cottage meeting actually changed his life. And he would go on to run for public office and serve in the legislature and in uh, the state that we lived at the time. And so women, be patient with your husbands. They will come around, pray over them. If you just need to be a quiet force and as an example in your home, so be it. And we will talk about uh, the marital relationship and how you can do this great work of freedom together, but it takes time. So I'm going to ask a few questions throughout our class today. And because we have a good group of mamas, typically if you were meeting in your home, maybe there'd be six, seven, eight, 10 women. And when you would ask the question, you could have this discussion in person. Because we're doing an online virtual class, when I ask a little question, please feel free to type in uh, the feelings of your heart or a response in the chat. And so the Mamas of America, we can kind of see what uh, some of our experiences are and feelings are if you feel like you want to participate that way. Okay, so Viv, let's take, go on to the next slide. The Cottage Meeting Resource Guide is the book that we will be taking our 12 lessons from, these 12 introductory lessons. This is an incredible resource. It's a book I've used to teach my children. You can uh, pull stories and articles and quotes and, and other books uh, that you can read to your children, to your teenagers. It's just a treasure trove. Of, of beautiful things to, to use to teach and to shore up the people that you love the most. I mean, I can't tell you how many mornings I pulled this cottage meeting book onto my lap with my pajamas on as I would teach a little story out of it in our morning devotional to the kids. And so really my book has, my original book has a couple of rubber bands around it. I think you'll really love this book. You can buy it on our Moms for America store. I think it's $18. And so I really recommend that is the one book that you will want. And I would really recommend reading the, the lesson before our class each week. It's kind of like Sunday school, going to church. If you read your Sunday school lesson before you go to church on Sunday, you're just going to prime your brain to get a little bit more out of the material. Not that you won't, you know, be inspired and touched, even if you haven't cracked the lesson for that week. But, but I would recommend reading ahead each week before our classes. So if you turn to that cottage meeting manual, if you have it, you can see there's a table of content and there's a, a few pages that talk about um, what a cottage meeting is, the hows and whys of it. And then it gives a listing of 12 lessons. So for instance, our first lesson today is entitled Anchored in Hope. Next week, we'll talk about there's no place like home. What we do within the four walls of our home will be the most important work. The third lesson is ladies first. You educate the women, the men will be educated. And then lessons four, five, and six talk about how we can teach our children, our grandchildren, the foundation of faith, 
the valor of virtue and the power of patriotism. Lesson number six is, uh, or seven is America shall share the story. This book is chock full of stories uh, to teach your children. Stories are the best way to show them what a, an attribute or a principle looks like, what faith looks like, what courage looks like, what, what patriotism looks like through story. Uh, lesson number eight is capture the sunshine, teaching your children to love America through literature, art, poetry, and music. Number nine is a time to sew, which it talks about the importance of the dinner hour or eating together. Maybe it's the breakfast hour for you. Lesson number 10 is the wheat and the chaff, which talks about the, the constitution, teaching your, your children and your grandchildren the highlights and the best parts of the constitution that will matter to them the most at this season in their life. Lesson number 11 is the law of harvest, how to teach your children to be self-reliant, love how to work. And then lastly, the last lesson, raising a new generation of patriots. Okay, Viv, so the Cottage Meeting Project is really a simple program with profound results. Thank you so much. Viv is behind operating our PowerPoint today. Vivian uh, comes to us from San Antonio, Texas. She's a mama of two. She has a millennial child and then she's got a 15 year old daughter, just love her so. She is our uh, director over the cottage meeting and the mom links behind the scenes. So you will get to know Viv through uh, this 12 uh, series lesson. Thanks, Viv. And she's operating our PowerPoint today. So the cottage meeting project really uh, does have profound results because it focuses on the home and it begins with the very heart of America, and that is you, Mama. That is you, the women. The hand that rocks the cradle isn't just a cute saying. It is an indisputable fact. The mothers of our country, the mothers of a country mold its citizens. They determine its destinies and they shape its institutions. And there is no person a greater influence on society than the mother. And there is no place that has greater influence on that child than the home. And that is why the Cottage Meeting Project is so successful in creating that foundation of liberty. It begins with the mother and it is centered in the home. You know, if I really were to think on the woman or the person that has had the greatest impact on my life, I think probably most of us would say it was a woman and maybe a lot of us would say it was our mother or our grandmother or our sisters. We at Moms for America know from our own experience that as you participate in this cottage meeting, this online and possibly start your own little cottage meeting at some point when the Lord directs you, you will gain a wealth of knowledge and understanding as you show up each week to our online cottage meeting it's going to begin to infuse you with hope and inspire you to go in a certain direction. Let's look at that next slide, Viv. I know this firsthand because 13 years ago, I moved my family from Washington, D.C. to a small town along the gorge, the Columbia Gorge in Hood River, Oregon. Now, my kids, my oldest, Kayla Rose, there was just starting high school, and I had a little toddler, and I actually had just given birth to our last little babe that had died. So I know my little heart was heavy in that picture, but we mamas still smile anyways. So I moved the family from Washington, D.C. to this small town uh, in Oregon. And I began to get very concerned about what my children in middle school and high school were being taught, much like a lot of how we're feeling now with the curriculums that our kids are being exposed to this anti-American critical race theory, aggressive sex ed education curriculum. So I was getting concerned about what my kids were being taught in this town. So there was a mama in town that was watching Glenn Beck one day and he held up this book, The 5,000 Year Leap. Now we're gonna talk about this book a lot. He held it up on his show and he said, mothers, you need to begin to gather together in book groups and to learn these 28 principles 
symbols of freedom that our founders used to establish this land. So this mama in this Hood River town heard this admonition from Glenn Beck. And so she put out the clarion call, not quite yet, or, well, that's okay, we can keep that up, uh, put out the clarion call. And, and that is an example of what our the um, cottage meeting in Utah looked like. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So we mamas in Oregon began to gather together once a week. At, no, no, excuse me, once a month in Oregon. And we would take a few principles from the 5,000 year leap and we would just try and figure it out. Now we weren't historians, we weren't constitutional scholars, we didn't go to law school, but we were worried about our children and we were petitioning the heavens to help us. And it was amazing, we prayed, we always felt the spirit, we shared experiences, we laughed, we cried, and inevitably we began to go home and teach our children what we were learning. Some of the mamas taught them at the dinner hour. Some taught them before they put the kids to bed. I began to weave in these principles of liberty and stories that I was learning in the, our little morning devotional that we had with our children in the morning, where we would gather them together, read a little story out of the Bible, maybe say a little poem, we'd sing a gospel, we'd say a prayer, then we'd get them off for the day. So I began to weave in what I was learning in the cottage meeting into what I was teaching my children. And then a, a few years later, I would move to Utah. And, and that picture that you just saw, Viv, if you want to put that up one more time, I started a cottage meeting there in Utah because I, I, I love the sisterhood of gathering together that, that I had felt those two years that I lived in Hood River. And so these women wanted to, and this is actually, I went and visited them recently and took this picture, but there was these, uh, so the, the cottage meeting I started, it was of all ages. It was young mamas. It was, you know, empty nesters. It was grandmothers. And so they wanted to meet every single week and, and they gave themselves a fun name, the sisters of whatever they called themselves. And these women are meeting today still every Wednesday, 9.30 to 11.30 Mountain Standard Time. In fact, they are beginning their meeting right now. It just makes me so happy. So these women have met now for 10 years, over 10 years. And if I could just tell you what those women have gone on to do, they've written books, they have had radio shows, one has a podcast, they've run for office, they pulled their children home, they've homeschooled them, they are community activists, they are regular, uh, you know, members of, oh, there we go, regular members of the school board. Some of them have run for school board. And um, once a month in their little cottage meeting, they bring a speaker in from the community, someone that's doing something interesting that they want to learn about. They will bring candidates in that are running for the school board, the city council, the state legislature, even the federal delegation, uh, the uh, people running for Congress, and even gubernatorial candidates. It's amazing who they can get in to uh, just come speak to them. And oftentimes this, these mamas, I've seen it, have felt like hmm, that candidate didn't seem to be too steeped in constitutional principles. So at the end, after they speak, we present to them a 5,000 year leap and a pocket sized constitution is kind of a hint that maybe they want to bone up on a few things. And so we're seeing that these cottage meetings are beginning to form all throughout the nation now. And it's beginning to strengthen the communities and creating what these cottage meetings do is they create a network of freedom and virtue as these mothers come together. So it's been said by the Delphian Society, and this is a society that was founded in the Chicago area in 1910 that promotes the education of women. They said, 10 small discussion groups in the community will do more to create a new way of life than a hundred mass meetings with a thousand in attendance at each. I have seen as these little pockets of liberty, these small discussion groups, these cottage meetings across America have begun to form the impact that it has had one woman with one home and one cottage meeting at a time you can begin to heal the heart and begin to heal the home and begin to heal the neighborhood and the schools and, the, and this country even. And I will share experiences with you that what I did in the cottage meetings, the impact that it had on the state 
and even the nation. <laughs> I would have never imagined at the time when I had cameras come in and, and my little devotional and our little cottage meeting that I was holding in Utah would go to the nation. I'll tell you that story at some point. So mamas, don't fret, okay? The spirit of America is alive and it is thundering in the homes across this nation. There is hope for America. And it is the hope that swells in our hearts and, 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 and becomes our vision for the future. You are the hope of America and liberty will begin with us. So make no mistake about it. We are in a battle right now. And as, as mothers and grandmothers, I know we feel like every day we are losing battles as we watch the news and we hear stories of our children, our grandchildren. God knew this, you know, he knew that, you know, in these last days that it would look pretty bad, but he just wants to know that we're willing to do something. We're willing to get up on that wall and to stand up and to push back and to be his voice. So in the chat now, I just want to know what are some of the battles that you are fighting right now in your home, in your neighborhoods, within your schools or communities, if you feel like a put in, what are some of the things that you are fighting for right now? Or what are some of the, the, the fights you're engaged in? Put that in the chat if, if you feel like it. Let's get that next slide by Chris Ann Hall. She says, perhaps our job is not necessarily to win this fight, but to prepare the ground, to make the soil fertile, and to sow the seeds so that liberty may thrive when the battle is done. Okay, so don't be stressed out that we've got to win every fight. We just got to prepare the hearts and plant those seeds in the next generation. And so they can be ab about perpetuating and standing and holding strong on that wall. So how do we do this? How do we plant these seeds? How do we prepare the soil? Let's look at the next slide, Viv, by Mary Lyons. Mary Lyons was an American pioneer in education. And she said, oh boy, she looks like a pioneer too. Look at that stoic look there. <laughs> She said, educate the women and the men will be educated. Let the women, let the ladies understand the doctrine of seeking the greatest good of loving neighbors as themselves. Let them indoctrinate their children in fundamental truth and we shall have wise legislations. So in our cottage meetings, we're going to become educated in principles of faith and virtue and patriotism. We're going to learn what the proper role of government is and what the constitutional principles are that mean the most to us and our families. And as we turn to our first lesson, Anchored in Hope, we're going to remind ourselves that is, it is important that if mama is anchored in hope, everyone in her home will sense her vibe and her strength, and it will have an anchoring influence on them. If mom is anchored in hope, so will her family be, and really everyone within her sphere of influence. Okay, so let's look at the next slide there. Actually, it's a video. I want to watch a four-minute video, and we show this sometimes as we travel around the country. And it's it's um, let's let's show it, and then and then we'll talk about it just for a moment. Okay. isn't just a cute little saying, it's an immortalized fact. 
the mothers of a nation mold its citizens, develop its character, shape its destiny. The great and noble characters who left their immortal imprint on our nation's history were not fashioned on battlefields or in palaces, but in the cradle and at the fireside. Home is where liberty begins. We cannot expect to have a nation of patriots who love liberty and respect the Constitution if we are not raising these patriots in our homes. While others will try to convince us that the most important things we can do to save America and preserve liberty are outside our homes, we know it is what we do inside our home that has the greatest influence on our nation. The greatest act of patriotism a mother can ever perform will be within the walls of her own home. We don't need more government. We need more women of virtue, women of faith, who will cultivate a foundation of faith in the hearts of her children, women of courage, who will be ambassadors of truth, who will defend and protect the family at all costs. We need women infused with patriotism, who will teach and nurture the principles of liberty and virtue our nation was founded on, women who will foster a deep love and respect for our beloved America and all she stands for. We need an army of mothers who will raise a nation of patriots. That is how we will save our beloved America, by growing stronger citizens, citizens who cannot be oppressed, who are capable of facing tough challenges, citizens who are still in love with liberty, know its cost, and are willing to pay the price. America will stand because America is bigger than a government. It is American families united in purpose, filled with the spirit of freedom. It is the spirit of the people that makes America free. The plane full of patriots that went down in a Pennsylvania field. The firefighters who walked into a crumbling building when everyone else was running out. The men and women sleeping in tents in 100 degree heat in Iraq and Afghanistan. It is the mothers teaching their children, the small business owners fighting for their dream, and the children who place their hands over their hearts to pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Liberty begins at home, and there's no place like home to restore hope in America. As mothers, we have a divine inherent right to protect, nurture, and secure the blessings of liberty for ourselves and our children. Hope for America is reflected in our vision of the future. You and I, we hold the keys. We are the keepers of the flame. We must do everything in our power to pass on that flame, make sure it burns bright, and that it continues to be a light on the hill and a beacon of hope to the world. We are the hope of America. We are the last line of defense between freedom and servitude. What we know and what we nurture in the hearts of our children will literally determine the fate of the free world. We can no longer stand on the sidelines. The future of America is in our hands. There is hope for America, and it is you. Okay, thank you, Viv. That was our wonderful president of Moms for America, Kimberly Fletcher. She's a mama of eight and she knows what she's talking about with that brood of hers. I love and adore her. I've been with, uh, she and I have worked together for a, over a decade now and she lives in Nebraska. That's where she comes from. Second Chronicle, Chronicles 714 it tells us this really is the formula, I believe, to stay hopeful and to know that we can turn, here's, here is a bit of, there you go, that we can turn our country around. This is Second Chronicles 7.14 is, you know, is my favorite liberty scripture because this is the one that says, if we will pray, if we will seek God's face, if we will humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, and you know, mamas, I think some of our wicked ways is just that we just get so busy and we get so distracted and we get kind of uninformed or apathetic or, you know, we just, we just do everything but maybe some of the things that are most important. So if we can show God that, that saving this country and preserving this land so our children and grandchildren can have what we have is important, I think that 
I think that's going to justify the heavens to intervene and to help heal this land. That is the promise. And uh, if you can pull back, the, pull back those references again, that is the promise in Second Chronicles seven fourteen is that He can heal our land. And then in Isaiah sixty one one, it talks about when Christ uh, before or after his forty day fast and before he began to start his ministry, he said. I come to proclaim liberty to the captives, all right? And I think that liberty comes in the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you've heard me say, I don't think the gospel of Jesus Christ can exist without the gospel of freedom, this ability to have the religious liberties to exercise and to worship God and to allow his principles and his word and his atonement to get in us and heal us. In 1 Corinthians 9.10, it talks about be partakers of hope. What does that look like to be partakers of hope? In 2 Corinthians 3.17, it says, this is such a great scripture, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And Galatians 5.1 talks about standing fast in liberty because Christ has made you free. So what is it about some of these Bible verses that you like? And why do you think God loves liberty so much? You can put that in the chat if you want, if anything has struck your heart as we share those verses there. So Viv, we could pull up and, and typically after I showed that video, we would have a discussion about why is hope so important to cultivate? What does hope look like? What does it sound like? If you have something you want to say about that, put that in the chat. But we are the hope of America. Mamas, we hold the key. And as we stay with these lessons over the next 12 weeks, you're going to understand why the Lord reveres you the way he does. You are like his secret weapon, so to speak. You know, if mama holds strong, <coughs> the children will hold strong. The marriage will hold strong. So um, Viv, if you could pull up that slide uh, that, talks about the raising of a new generation of patriots, this wonderful book. Oh, very good. Thanks, Viv. You got it already. I just want to recommend reading this first chapter of the raising of the next generation of patriots. All these resources, uh, as you go online for Moms for America under the first cottage meeting, there's a little link and you can just click on and, and you can buy this on, on the store or it will give you the link where you can buy it. Mamas, just know we're not uh, making any money off of these books. And the books that I recommend it's just books that I have read through the years and I, and I, I think there's great value and get them and add them to your, I love America library is what I call this. I love this little book. It's real easy to read in the uh, first chapter entitled um, mothers master gardeners. It tells about St. Patrick coming to Ireland in 421. Do we have a slide for that one, Viv? Oh, there's Mr. St. Patrick living in uh, around 431 AD. He came to Ireland and he wanted to convert Ireland to Christianity. But instead of going to the tribal leaders, he went to the mamas on the rivers around the campfires because he knew that if you could convert the mothers, he could convert Ireland. And then there's another little story in this first chapter about George Washington. And he talks about, we might have a slide for that, how he was so influenced by his mother. He says, she was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. Now, he said, sometimes he was at odds with his mother. He lovingly called her his reverend mother. So that must mean that she did a little preaching to him. She was a praying, preaching mother. And he did, he would go on to say, though, that all that I am, I owe to her. There's a great story in the real George Washington. Do we have a slide on that, Viv? This book. Oh, oh, oh sorry, sorry, wrong book. The real George Washington. I love this book. I've read it to my kids through the years. You can, uh, there's a link for it on our website. Viv, is there a slide that shows the real George Washington? Anyways, there's a really cute story there about Mary Ball um, convincing him that he should not join the Royal Navy. Now, Washington was large of stature as a young boy. I think he was about 14 when he got the idea that he was gonna go off into the Royal British Navy, like his half-brother Lawrence had done. And his bags were all packed, but he said he did not 
because of the earnest solicitations of my mother did not that prevented him from going and I just had to laugh when I read that story about her earnest solicitations as he put it when I think of all the times that I have had to raise my voice or weep or well or show great emotion to get my child to do something or not to do something because I just knew in my heart that that I needed to 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 speak forth and, and intervene if I could as much as I could. And I'm not saying my children always listen to my uh, solicitations, but I think how the course of America would have been so different if it had not have been for his mama's earnest solicitations. There's also uh, a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte. We have that slide, Viv. There you go, Mr. Bonaparte, that French emperor and commander during the French Revolutionary, Revolutionary War and beyond. He said, you let France have good mothers and she will have good sons. He understood the critical nature of the work of a mother on a nation. Also in this chapter here of the raising of the next generation, we're told that when God wants to change the world, he sends a baby into a simple home of some obscure mama. And then he puts an idea into her heart and she puts that idea into the baby's mind. And then God waits. The greatest forces are not the earthquakes or the thunderbolts or the congresses or the battalions, but they are babies. Mamas train and teach and shape characters and ultimately help to form nations and save nations through their babies. We are the master gardeners, this little book talks about. And, you know, really, we're told in the first book of Genesis in the Bible that, uh, you know, God created Eve and he called her the mother. Maybe Adam did the mother of all living. And we are her daughters. Why? What does it mean to be the mother of all living? You know, uh, maybe put in the chat, think about the influence that your mother has had on you. How has she shaped and molded you, a mother, a grandmother, a sister, an auntie? How are women, how are you the mother of all living? In the supplemental material in our lesson today, there is an article entitled Anchored in Hope. So all the stories, a lot of the stories and articles that I share are right in that green manual there under lesson number one. And the story entitled Anchored in Hope tells of a story of a man in a fishing boat on the great Mississippi River. Now, part of that river wanders through the city of Minneapolis, where the water travels through a series of rapids and falls. Now, to accommodate these travelers, a lock system has been built to safely bring the boats to a lower water level. And there's actually an observation deck there that's been built for those who want to watch the locks fill with water, receive a boat, drain the water, and then let it down on the other side. So one day, uh, many years ago, the observers, actually, probably just a few years ago, I know the woman that wrote this story, and um, she's not old at all. So this happened a few years ago. And observers witnessed something out of the ordinary. A gentleman in a fishing boat had missed the turn for the locks and it got caught in a current that was swiftly taking him away towards the fall. Now, everyone on the observation deck watched horrified, wondering what they could do. So as the boat approached the falls, somehow it got lodged between two rocks and time was suspended almost as the boat now was tilting at a severe angle over the brink of the falls. And the man in that boat was left with a view of the rushing water all around him and his impending doom. So fears were raging at this point and uh, everyone could see the panic, uh, any kind of panic uh, response from him, any kind of sudden movement could have easily dislodged his boat, sending it over the falls. So miraculously, a helicopter was brought in and a rescue worker uh, secured himself to a harness and a cable and was lowered down out of the helicopter to the boat to retrieve the man and lift him to, 
to safety. Now, to help the man remain calm and to understand his role in the rescue effort, there were workers on the uh, sides, on the sides um, over a loudspeaker, and they spoke of kind of hope and reassurance, redirecting his, uh, his focus from the rushing water below to the helicopter up above and the rescue worker above. So the directions were, were, were given with clarity and optimism from the side there. And the man focused was listening on what he needed to do. And the rescue workers, bless his heart, showed his courage and skill as they carefully got him and lifted him to safety. Now, as we think on this story here of this rescue, what do you like about this story? And what role do you play today in the rescue? of your loved ones. Put that in the chat. What is the role that we as mothers and grandmothers play in the rescue today? What, what are some things that you, you know, that they did in this story uh, to kind of help redirect this man and his impending doom? Hope is a belief, a confidence that future events are obtainable. It is a powerful energy force that keeps us moving despite the obstacles. Hope anchors us during the winds of adversary and it really uh, adversity and is the antidote for discouragement and despair. Now I know we mamas so often have to put on a good face and smile, but we are fearful. And we are worried about the future of our children, our grandchildren, those of uh, our loved ones around us. So how can we speak of solutions and reassurance to redirect our loved ones from fear and panic? There are four things that we're going to talk about that can help us ultimately help us stay anchored in hope and those that we love around us stay anchored. The first thing is to look to God for our freedoms, not government, not Washington, D.C., not the president of the United States. We look to God for answers, for healing, for solutions. You know, I grew up in a home where my mama, I had nine brothers and sisters, and my parents divorced when I was a young child. She was a single mother, but I never doubted, or I, I, I just knew that it would be okay because my mother knew. You know, she was a woman of faith and she, her faith anchored all of our faiths when, you know, our dad left the home. I just knew that the Lord would provide because I knew that my mother knew that somehow the God would see us through. And so as we, as we teach our children to look to God when they have troubles or to pray to God, you know, every morning in our little morning devotional, I read a little story from the Bible story. Do we have a slide on this Bible story, Viv? We might have one, but I like this because it's the King James version. So it teaches the children to learn that old world Bible language but it, it's just the stories that it tells and it, and it goes through the stories in chronological order. And so um, just this morning, uh, I was reading to my uh, girl about Joseph and, you know, all his brothers. And now Joseph is over the Pharaoh and his brothers have come to him to buy corn because there's famine in the land. And, you know, he he does a few little tricks to get him to bring their baby brother, Benjamin, back. And so all the brothers are now standing before Joseph. Now, this is the story I read to my little girl while she's eating her, you know, breakfast this morning. And I said, and in the story, Joseph actually is so overcome with emotion after all those years of seeing his brothers who had ultimately thrown him in the pit and sold him, you know, or maybe thought they left him for dead. And now he's seeing them again for the first time. And he's so overcome, he has to go into his chambers and weep. And then he comes out and I asked my, my little girl who's 13, I said, honey, what would you how would you feel if you saw Kayla and Frank and Mary Alice and Alvin for the first time after all those years? And she said, I'd be mad because they threw me in the pit. And then we talked about, you know, that's not how Joseph felt. And of course, we, you would forgive them. And we, we had a little discussion on forgiveness. It was the sweetest thing. And then um, last night, because my 18-year-old son, who's a senior in high school, leaves in the morning. He goes off to a little religion class at church. Then he goes on to high school from there. So he leaves early in the morning. 
he doesn't get in in the little morning devotional that uh, we have with our daughter. So we have a little evening devotional with him sometimes. It's a little shorter than what I do with my daughter. But dad is in on that in the evening times. And we have the sweetest conversation. We, you know, we read a little bit of scripture uh, last night about some of our treasures come in the form of trials. Uh, but all things work towards our good. And then I asked that 18 year old kid, I said, honey, what have been some of the treasures in your life that were hard, but you think are going to be a blessing? And he shared the sweetest example. The last few years, he's, we've moved. We moved from um, Utah to, um, I mean, Oregon, to, actually DC to Oregon, to Utah, to Virginia. Uh, and now we're in Maryland. And he said, you know, it was hard when I had to move, you know, in high school a few times, but he said, I'm beginning to understand that it's going to help me because I understand people. I understand different situations. I'm learning to adapt. And it was so sweet to hear him take that, that biblical principle and apply it to his life today and a, a practical application of that. And it was sweet what my little daughter came up with. She told the story of Joan of Arc because she just learned it the other day. I taught her that story, how even though Joan died, burned at the cross at 19, how that treasure of her life went on to bless America. And, and so, you know, in, in those moments, as you make family time, number two, how you stay anchored is hope, in hope is to make your family time a high priority. And I think that's why I've considered those little devotionals through the years just sacred because that's when I could really teach them and armor them up with the things that were going to matter the most. I truly feel that, you know, what we teach in our home is going to be more important than the physics or the math or the English or whatever they're learning in school. It's those things that you're teaching from the heart. Mama, you will be the best teacher your children will ever have. You are the most qualified to arm them up with the things that they need to know the most as they go out in the world and have to discern right from wrong. The third thing that keeps mamas anchored in hope is to learn the constitution from the viewpoint of our founding fathers. Hosea in the Bible said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We can't let that happen. The United States became a great nation by following correct principles, and we will stay great as we continue to hold fast to these truths and to these principles. And so um, this is what you're going to do as you gather in the cottage meetings. That's where I learned what the Constitution was all about, was in the, in the cottage meetings with the other mamas. And uh, we learned what the seven articles in the constitution were and what the 27 amendments were. Lesson number 10 in this series that we're uh, taking will, will teach us how to teach the constitution to our children. And we actually, Moms for America on Thursday nights, Viv, do we have that slide? On Thursday nights at 7.30 Mountain Standard Time, me and my husband teach a 16 week class on the history of America. And we spend four weeks on the constitution and we break it down and we talk about, you know, why it was written to protect families. And we talk about some of the uninspired amendments that have come after our founding fathers. And so, you know, at some point you'll wanna take those classes cause that's really how I learned what the constitution was and why it mattered to me as a mother and why it mattered to my children. So in addition to learning the constitution, we also want to learn the stories and the miracles, the spiritual roots of our nation. And in um, lesson number seven of this cottage meeting series, we talk so much about the stories of America. The stories go right to our children's hearts and it teaches them what courage and faith and patriotism looks like. Um, do we have that next slide, Viv, on Kayla Rose? So about six years ago, my oldest girl served a church mission along the Amazon River in Iquitos, Peru, and she taught the gospel of Jesus Christ to the impoverished people of Peru there. And uh, she said, Mom, it was hard. I mean, there was like, I, I, I'm not sure if there's a few more pictures, Viv, uh, of that mission, but she said there was lice and there was... Uh, yeah, we can keep that. 
there was, uh, I mean, dungate fever and dirt floors and muddy roads. And she said, sometimes I just wanted to come home. But she said, I remember that story that you and dad told in our morning devotional. And it seemed like you told it once a week. And you can see the picture there, Mount Vernon. I'm pointing to it. There's a picture right before you on the screen of Mount Vernon. And we would tell the kids the story that George Washington was the general in this frustrating and miserable eight years of the Revolutionary War. And then he went on to serve as president for another eight years when really he just longed to go home to the Potomac, the ease of the way of his Mount Vernon and his beautiful estate and his animals and his horses and his wife and, and the, the life that he had built there. But he knew that God had a mission for him. And so he stayed the course and it made all the difference to us today. And Kayla said, mom, when I was on that mission and I thought about just wanting to come home, she said, I remembered that story and it rose up in me. And somehow I knew that if I just stayed the course and keep teaching people of God, that it might make the difference to one of them. And it most certainly, I think, made the most difference to her because she came home a grounded, a wiser, a sober child that is just going on to do great things. And so in our family devotionals, as we taught these stories to these kids, as I learned them in the cottage meetings, I came home, I taught them to my kids. We also um, would review with them principles of liberty out of this 5,000 year leap book. And so what we would do through the years, thanks, Beth, is we would take one principle a week and we would just talk about it for a minute or two in the morning devotional. And then uh, through the years, my devotional would actually kind of evolve and the devotional got a little long at some point all the kids revolted because I think it was going on 30 minutes in the morning and they're like Bob it's too long but for quite a few years we teach them a little principle we talk about what that means and then I would hold up the headlines of the newspapers and just read them and talk about if, is what is going on locally or nationally or in the world is it consistent with what our founders intended. And I do that today with my little girl. I just have one child left in the morning, but I still, she reads her little principle. And then I we go through the headlines of the Washington Post. Imagine what that is like. And we talk about, you know, how we are adhering to these principles or how we're not adhering. To adhering. The 5,000 Year Leap book is a wonderful book. I actually memorized those 28 principles. They have become like my dearest friends when I needed an answer to you know, a conversation that I was having. Like on the spot, I would think to one of those principles. Those principles, principles in general are universal and they're eternal. And they really even transcend parties and, pol and, and politics. So if you can learn and memorize these 28 principles, you will speak with greater authority and wisdom out to your children, in your neighborhoods, before the school boards, in whatever setting as you're defending these principles of freedom and liberty. Okay, so let's recap, mamas. How do we stay anchored in hope? We look to God for our freedoms instead of government. We make family time a high priority. We teach our children to look to God. We study the constitution and the miracles of America. And we teach these principles to our children. If you will do these three things, you will naturally know how to do number four. And that is do something. God will put upon your heart what you need to do. Should you join a group? Obviously, you're here today. You know, I think you're doing some of this because you're here today. Should I join up my, the online group? Should I start my own little group at some point? Should I uh, support a good candidate? Should I run for office? Should I show up at the next uh, school board meeting? Um, I think Gerald from North uh, from New Jersey, one of our mamas from New Jersey is on today. She has told us in some of the classes previously how she is starting, Gerald, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but a little program in the public schools of New Jersey. I mean, that's a miracle in of itself. Uh, I think it's an after school program. She's hiring little tutors and teachers now uh, uh, to talk about health and well-being and even abstinence and, and these sort of principles that are going to just shore a kid up. And, um, and uh, Gerald, I'm probably saying it a little bit wrong. So clarify that in the chat. 
But I mean, look how God has, you know, put upon Gerald's heart to, to go out into the schools now. And I'm actually going to be in New York City this weekend. And Gerald is coming into the city from New Jersey to do dinner with me. I'm so excited to get to meet you in the flesh. I feel like I know and love you. And this is as you stay with this group, you're going to feel like you're going to get to know and love each other. And when you hit the other sisters, mama's towns, you know, let them know and uh, meet up for dinner if, uh, if you need to. And, um, and in fact, next weekend, I'm going to be in Joliet, Illinois, uh, with, uh, with our other vice president, Deb. She lives there and some of her beautiful friends and mothers. And so if, you're, if you live in Joliet, come on over to Debbie's house. We're going to have a little cottage meeting uh, next Friday. So when mama's anchor, is that okay, Deb? <laughs> when mama, yeah, actually anybody from Illinois that's on here too, I'd love to make sure that we connect with you. So please, uh, yes, for sure. Put your info in the chat. So mamas, if you will do these four things, it will anchor you and you will feel hope begin to flow into you, you and into your family. And you will begin to become a mighty force for the battle of liberty within your home and your neighborhoods and your communities. Your faith will be transformed. I mean, your fears will be transformed to faith. Your apathy will turn to resolve and your despair will be converted to hope. And you will realize there is no place like home, the work that we do within our home to best restore the hope of America. Kimberly Fletcher, who you saw on that little video, the president and founder of Moms for America, knew this so well. In the supplemental material in our manual, our last little uh, article that we're going to talk about today, she writes uh, uh, the story about coming full circle, how her husband actually um, was serving in the Pentagon when it was attacked during 9-11. He actually retired uh, from the military just a few years ago, but served beautifully, you know, I think over 20, 25 years. She realized after 9-11 that freedom was not free and that she needed to do something more than she was if she was going to ensure her children and her grandchildren knew the kind of life that she had known. So she was deeply concerned about what was going on with our country and the direction that it was heading as we all were after that period in our history and, and now. So at first, after 9-11, she said, okay, I think the best way to fix the solution is to give women a platform, a voice, uh, to voice our values. And so she spent about six months trying to get together a program on, on Fox News because of some of the work that she had done. She, she had qualifications possibly for them to consider her coming on with her program. But ultimately, she realized they really weren't that interested in what she was going to have to say. And then she thought, okay, maybe it's through public policy that we can get the voice of the mother heard. And so she spent a time meeting with her state legislators and even members of Congress, but ultimately she felt all she got was smiles and, you know, pats from them as well. And so she thought, okay, maybe I need to, we just need to put better people in office so she volunteered in campaigns and she helped with voter registrations. And she said it wasn't a bad thing. They won some elections. They lost some elections. And then she said it hit her that the place where she could have the greatest impact on this nation was where she had always been, her home, she said. She said the problem wasn't necessarily with the Congresses or the candidates or the media or the government, even though they are in need of improving for sure. But she said the problem was that liberty is homegrown and not enough people are growing it. We have outsourced the love of liberty and freedom to the schools, to the churches, to the universities, to our social media. Liberty doesn't begin in Congress. It begins at home. And everything outside of the home is just a resource for the family, not a replacement. Let's, Viv, let's pull up that Winston Churchill quote. The great leader of England said, there is no doubt that it is around the family and the home that all the greatest virtues, the most dominating virtues of human society are created, are strengthened and maintained. So Kimberly realized she couldn't preserve liberty and change the course of our nation 
if it didn't start within her own heart and within her own home, because we are raising the future leaders and teachers and policymakers and policemen and judges. So how can we expect liberty and virtue to prevail out in our nation if we aren't starting within our homes? So she would go on to found Moms for America in 2004. It's been in existence for 17 years. And she began to redirect her efforts to a place where women will have their greatest impact is in their home. So you could say she really did come full circle. There's a beautiful quote here that says, light must come from inside. You cannot ask the darkness to leave. You must turn on the light. So mamas, over the course of the next 12 weeks, God is going to let you know how you can turn on that light, how you can be that light where he needs it to be lit up. Thank you so, so much for participating in our first cottage meeting uh, of our 12th cottage meeting introductory series. It's been so much fun for me. I hope it has. Oh my land, it looks like we've just blown our chat up uh, with uh, beautiful ideas and comments that you have made. Next week, we're going to uh, study lesson number two. There's no place like home. Read ahead if you get a chance. 